0: Hi there! Have you ever felt like your heart was racing just at the thought of attending a social gathering? Well, you're not alone, and it's not just about language barriers. Welcome to a special podcast today that goes beyond the grammar and vocabulary of English. A few weeks ago, I mentioned something called social anxiety in a podcast. That was podcast 648 on Smalltalk. And I was suggesting that if you learn to be good at small talk, then this is helpful with social anxiety. Well, I promised that I would talk some more about social anxiety. And today, here it is. I'm going to describe the problem. Then you can see whether you have it or not, or you know someone who does. It's something that I work with in my therapy practice. So today, while your brain is learning English, let's dive into the intricacies of social anxiety, a reality faced daily by many people. I'll talk today about what it is, what it feels like. And if you're interested in how to cure it, get in touch, let me know, and I'll talk about this in a future podcast. And if you stick around to the end, I'll reveal something about social anxiety that may really surprise you. So come with me on a journey of language learning. Your brain will be learning English while we're doing this, of course, but intertwined with social insights. Hello, I'm Hilary and you're listening to Adept English. We will help you to speak English fluently. All you have to do is listen. So, start listening now and find out how it works. Before I do any of that, have you done our free course, The Seven Rules of Adept English? What? You haven't? Well, you're missing out on some really important advice and tips for learning English and how to make the best use of our podcasts. Go to our website and sign up today. It's free. That's at adeptenglish.com. You'll be really glad you did this. So, first of all, vocabulary. When we say social, S-O-C-I-A-L, what do we mean? Well, it refers to everything that involves interaction with other people. And when we socialise, you and I are actively engaging with others. That's the verb to socialise, S-O-C-I-A-L-I-S-E. If you're someone who likes to socialise, then you like being around other people, knowing other people. Interacting with other people, doing things with other people. And if you're around lots of other people and you're very busy with it, we might say that you're a social butterfly. How much socializing we like to do versus how much time we like to spend alone, well, that varies enormously between people. But if you have social anxiety, it means that doing these types of things, instead of being pleasurable, well, they fill you with fear. Anxiety, A N X I E T Y, is the word we tend to use in English. Anxiety is a state which can be a low level or a high level fear. How common is it? Well, the NICE guidelines in the UK quote US statistics that say that around 12% of the US population will be affected by social anxiety at some time in their lives. And the UK website social-anxiety-org says about 13.3% of the general population may meet criteria for social anxiety disorder at some point in their lives, with the male-to-female ratio being 2 to 3. So there's more of it amongst women. I do think there's an interesting cultural element too. To social anxiety. The culture that you grow up in can't influence it. There's perhaps another podcast idea. Imagine you're someone dealing with social anxiety. You would find yourself constantly fearing the judgments of other people. Perhaps to an extent, we all do this in certain circumstances, say, like in a panel interview for a job we really want, or when giving a presentation that we're nervous about. But if you have social anxiety, what other people think of you is the overriding concern in pretty much every situation. People with social anxiety are afraid of doing or saying the wrong thing. They're frightened that they'll get something wrong, feel embarrassed, or even worse, be humiliated or rejected by other people. The verb to humiliate in English H-U-M-I-L-I-A-T-E, means to cause someone shame or loss of respect. Worries can centre around appearance or functions of the body like sweating, blushing, shaking, voice quaking, or simply looking strange to other people. And of course, if you're anxious about all of these things, they're much more likely to happen. Or the anxiety can focus on seeming stupid, or boring to other people. And the biggest fear of the person with social anxiety is that they will be disliked by others. And this seems to be fairly independent of whether that's actually happening. For many people with social anxiety, it also doesn't seem to matter who the other people are, whom they imagine judging or rejecting them. It could be passers-by in the street, people they're never going to see again or people that they know but they don't actually like. So it feels crucially important that everybody likes me and no one must have a negative thought about me ever. Being unpopular, even if it's temporary, even if it's for a positive cause, is something that the socially anxious person finds extremely hard to handle. And conflict? Don't even go there people with social anxiety will not do conflict, unless it's with someone they know extremely well. Have you ever found yourself anticipating all the possible negatives before a social event? Despite the outcome being unknown, the person with social anxiety does this big time. To anticipate, A-N-T-I-C-I-P-A-T-E, means to expect something before it actually happens. So the socially anxious will get very nervous before a social occasion and imagine all kinds of terrible outcomes where they're rejected or no one speaks to them, or worse still, they're openly mocked. The fear is so strong sometimes that it's quite typical that people with social anxiety cancel social engagements at the very last minute. And even if the person with social anxiety actually goes to the party, the meeting, the wedding, the pub, or wherever it is, they may interpret people's reactions to them as rejecting, even where actually they're not. So social anxiety sufferers misinterpret other people's reactions to fit in with their socially anxious expectations. Then they feel even worse about themselves. A common theme is that people with social anxiety remain quiet a lot of the time. It feels safer that way. If they were to tell a joke, make a comment, or tell a funny story, not only would it be difficult in the moment when all those heads turn to look at them, but they would probably also wake up the following morning wondering whom they had offended. While anticipatory anxiety is a big thing before a social event. This is what I tend to call in therapy post-mortem social anxiety. Worrying about what you said after the event, even though there was no sign at the time that anyone took offence. And this can go on for weeks, or for some people, even years. And it's surprising. Even with something like social anxiety, there's no one-size-fits-all. We all have unique experiences. Some people have learned to cover it, and those they socialize with may not realize that they suffer from social anxiety at all. Actually, being able to fake it is a good way of working on your social anxiety anyway. So, the person who can handle it like this is usually further forward in dealing with their problem. But a more usual way of being for people with social anxiety is to be very focused on a particular group of friends with whom they're comfortable. These may be people whom they've known for a long time. They may be old school friends or work colleagues that they've known for years. And these familiar friends bring a little confidence. The socially anxious person is confident that they're accepted by these people. But even here, if a new person joins the group or someone in the group brings in new people, whom the socially anxious person doesn't know, they may go quiet and lose their confidence again, even though the rest of the friends are still there. And these people who have friends are much more fortunate than some who haven't made a close group of friends that they feel confident with and who therefore spend lots of their time on their own. This can start in childhood the child who goes to school but who is so socially anxious that they don't speak to anyone, so they don't have the experience of making friends. Someone with social anxiety who doesn't have friends, this is a far more serious situation than those people with social anxiety who rely on close friends to give them confidence. It's important to distinguish too between those who spend lots of time alone and don't have friends or don't socialise, Because they're socially anxious, and those people who don't socialize for other reasons. Some people just find that they aren't well enough rewarded by social interaction. They don't find people interesting enough to be bothered with them, or they just don't understand people and they might not get why people are so motivated to socialize. So, some people don't socialize because they have no desire to be in the thick of things socially these are different ways of being, distinct from the problem of social anxiety. For the term socially anxious to be correct, the person wants to be liked, wants to be sociable, wants to fit in, wants to be popular. And although some people with social anxiety do lack social skills, that means the ability to talk to people and know what the right thing to say is, that's usually just a lack of practice. Often socially anxious people are very good at tuning in, reading the room. They may read other people well and observe other people astutely, even when they don't join in. Sometimes they have a really good idea of the relationships between people just from observing. So there are degrees of social anxiety. Most of us know a little bit of it. In some people, it influences their entire life, But in other people, their social anxiety is improved so that it's only present in certain circumstances. Social anxiety is often what I call patchy, meaning that two people may experience social anxiety in completely different areas of their lives. For one person, it could be that it's at work that they experience the most social anxiety, whereas outside of work with friends and family, they're more confident and comfortable. Yet for another social anxiety sufferer, it may be that at work, they feel confident. They have their job role. They wear a particular hat and they're good at their job. But it's if people invite them to the pub or there's an unstructured social situation. That's what they may avoid because of social anxiety. They may go home early, even if when they get home, they wish they'd gone to the pub and wonder what they're missing out on. For people who don't suffer from social anxiety, the impact of all of this can be hard to understand. I'm always very sympathetic to social anxiety sufferers because it's something that can permeate, can influence your whole life. It's a quiet tragedy when we let our concerns over social anxiety dictate our life choices. Going to university? It's out of the question because I'd never be able to cope with being away from home and making new friends. Going for that promotion at work, it's out of the question, because I'll not be able to manage people, or I won't ever be able to stand up and give a presentation like they'll expect. And the sadness and the tragedy is that these are often quiet, automatic, internal decisions, which other people wouldn't even know had taken place. It may simply be assumed that the socially anxious person just doesn't want to do these things. And over time, these decisions have a massive impact on people's lives. The loss of opportunity may then serve to strengthen the person's lack of confidence in themselves. But, and it's a big but, there's a real positive here. Social anxiety is really, really treatable. If this podcast describes you or someone you know, then you or they can get help with it. The changes can be massive and sometimes they don't even take that long. You just need some good input to set you in the right sort of direction and to tell you what to do about it. It's one of the problems that I meet in therapy and I enjoy working with it because often it's quite fixable and it's a pleasure to see people get better. So if in this podcast I'm describing you or someone close to you, get help. You can have a much better life than this one. Okay, let me know whether you like this podcast and whether you're interested in hearing on how to work with social anxiety. Oh, and don't forget you're learning English. So listen to this podcast a number of times following all the advice in the 7 Rules of Adept English course. Enough for now. Have a lovely day. Speak to you again soon. Goodbye.